Far below the South China Sea lies an underwater mountain range with canyons deep enough to hide the Himalayas, deeper than any man or machine has ever explored. Throughout the centuries, countless vessels have vanished into these waters without a trace. Their disappearance has remained a mystery. This week on Five Day Rentals, we talk about 1998's Deep Rising. Sorry. Why are you apologizing? Uh, thanks for tuning in to Five Day Rentals. This is a movie podcast. Once a month, we pick a new topic, category, what have you. This month, we had Big Ast, care of yours truly. And uh, we kick things off with my selection, a film from 98 called Deep Rising. I had never seen this before. Dan, you? Uh, when it was released on VHS uh, in 1998. Did this bring back those memories? Or? Uh, it was in Germany at the time, so good times, good times. Did you watch it at a teen center? Uh, no, I think we just uh, probably had a sleepover. Kyle, had you seen this thing before? No, uh, Dan's parents saw it at the movie theater, and they told me it was really cool. And I was like, well, I could probably wait on that one then. That's how I know how to skip movies. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just consulted them, and they were like, yeah, it's a great movie. So I didn't watch it until now. Anybody look up any pre-production notes or anything on this guy? I got a few. Okay. Our pre-production before it went into production? Yeah, you know, like... Well, there was uh, there was a major one that I thought was kind of cool. If you'd Is like. it a, about who turned down yes. the starring role in this movie? <clears throat> yeah. Let's, let's hold on that. Okay. I want to talk about the movie a little bit more before we talk about... I, I read it was originally titled Water Bugs for till till they went with Deep Rising. It legit sounded like a sonar going off. I heard that as well. Okay. Yeah, you guys aren't running sonar right now? Okay. No, I'm running silent, running deep, bro. I mean, I started running sonar as soon as I, I saw this movie. I don't know what the fuck's going on out there. I was like, if I'm not running sonar, then one of these things could pop up and get me at any minute. Uh, I have no real opinion on this movie. <laughs> so, Are you not impressed with your own pick? Uh, I think I like it more than you guys. When I say I don't have an opinion, I mean, like, I don't have a hill to die on as far as arguing whether or not this is good or bad. And I'm terrified that I'm going to be as monotone as possible through this. And I think the movie's better than that. So I wish I would have picked something else. I'll tell you that. I felt bad about halfway through this. Like, oh, man, I feel I feel bad that this is what I picked. This movie um, is it just. It feels like like if it was called a sci-fi original movie, I would have believed it. Yeah. 
And if I had watched it on sci-fi, I would have thought, oh, that was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it doesn't have a home. Uh, and that was one thing I wanted to talk about for sure. So they released this movie January 30th of 1998. It made $11 million against a budget of $45 million. And I don't think they did it any favors. I think this is obviously a summer movie. Mm-hmm. Should have been a summer movie, and I think it would have made money. And I think summer's doing the mummy proves that, considering how successful the mummy was. What year was the mummy? I should have looked that up. I mean, the mummy is a lot. I'll say 2000, 2001. The Mummy is 1999. Okay. The Mummy is? Yeah. How the does... first one? This is 1998, so probably shot, yeah. shot in 97. So Actually, I think it was shot in 96. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, how does the CGI in The Mummy look way better than Deep Rising? I don't know if it, it looks way better. It's just a lot more fun of a movie. I think there's an adventure element to the mummy that hadn't really been seen since Indiana like the last Jones. Indiana Jones or something that the mummy sort of connected with. Mm-hmm. This, I think, a lot of the critics panned it as being sort of an Aliens ripoff. Um, I don't really see that. Do you do you guys recall a movie with Jamie Lee Curtis called Virus? Yes. No. <laughs> it was like I it takes place on a boat. It, it's like her versus um you've seen like an the, artificial intelligence or something. Yeah. You've seen the cover, Kyle, I'm sure. Yeah. There's a movie called Virus Shark. Virus was in 99. Paramount. Wow, I'm shocked that that was afterwards. After this had been released. But ultimately, I don't think this movie does itself any favors. I think every time it starts to be funny, it turns around and and drops it. Every time it starts to be scary, it eases up. Um, It's rated R, but could certainly be... I think it's maybe two or three F-bombs. And maybe one or two shots of violence, and it's easily a PG thirteen. So mm-hmm. they could have, they should have just gone a lot harder. Um, and some of the violence is great. My favorite part of the movie involves Chiman Hansu getting an axe to the dome. So that part was good. <laughs> yeah, didn't expect that. No. Well, I agree with you. It it's like every time it kind of gets into a rhythm of something, it just jumps to something else. Like anytime they have a little bit of action that works, they cut away or if they have a joke, it's like then it is serious after that. It just kind of it never like finds a tone for the movie. Yeah. On my second rewatch, I was trying to pay attention to not necessarily act structure, but where I was on the timeline. And it's crazy how fast they're 
the mercs and our heroes are on the on the boat and how it's like maybe 25 30 minutes and they're all wiped out mm-hmm. so it's maybe i think it's 25 28 minutes or so before they're ever to the cruise ship so they they, they do a really good job of setting a lot of people up but they're killed off so fast that it's almost pointless Mm-hmm. But any general thoughts before I go through this thing? Yeah, this is a racist ass movie, man. Why is that? Because like the first four people that are killed are all minorities. I don't see a white guy die until like halfway in the middle of it. Just saying. You've kind of like. Yeah, I can't I like, counter that because then it comes point. off racist. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> okay. Here's the biggest mistake this movie made. Like, as soon as they get on that giant cruise ship, they show you Skidoos, and those don't come into play until like the last seven minutes of the movie. You know what thing goes almost as long? Yeah. Is his shotgun? Yeah. Which is... You didn't give me time to insert a dick joke there, man. No. You'll have plenty of time when when we get to the cockett scene. <laughs> so okay. sexual. Is this guy's name really fucking Treat? What a great name. Yeah. Treat Williams. <sighs> And that's what, what he is. What you know about Treat Williams, motherfucker? I'll tell you this. His fucking hair looked great this entire time. Yeah. Best hair went to Treat Williams. No doubt. Worst hair probably went to that bald guy that got an axe in the head. Fucking idiot. He didn't bother growing hair for this film. Has Hansu had hair in any film that's a good question we'll have our intern check that out so after our little title card which is totally unnecessary um, a little bit of information about the canyons in the South China Sea we see through a fisheye lens, some really, really haphazard CGI shipwrecks and a jump scare of something. Not quite sure yet. Then we immediately jump into, it looks like almost a, an old school Navy attack boat cruising across the sea. It's raining outside. We see our captain. This is Finnegan, played by Tree Williams. Quick shot of his shotgun. Uh, you really should be paying attention to the radar, but he's uh, he's playing poker. Yeah, it seems like he's bummed out that this radar is pretty finicky, but it also seems like he's installed a a poker program over the top of it. And you know that thing's not even connected. It's not like he's gambling online. It's just, Mm-mm. that's just a computer program that runs that, I mean, yeah. that, that seems like a serious addiction if you're willing to 
to risk your own boat's radar to play a computer in poker. Yeah. That's the open sea version of texting and driving, right? Mm-hmm. Gambling and captaining. Yeah. Well, but not even gambling. Yeah. Strictly think, practicing poker. Do you think this was a uh, Kurt Russell in the thing nod? Sort of him versus a computer game? I guess in the most ham-fisted sense of the words. Like, I don't know what... Uh, I mean, like, playing a computer in chess, that seems more... You know, like it's <laughs> shooting a little higher. The only thing lazier would have been solitaire, I think. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, we see his, I'm guessing his first mate, Layla, she's out in the rain beating on something. Mm-hmm. She gives him the finger. It's our first F-bomb. Again, just just cut this. Just cut. Do it or don't. Just like, Yeah, just add... F- 30 more of them. Yeah. Um, Radar starts fucking up a little bit. Uh, Finnegan yells at Pantucci, our comic relief of the movie. Is he? I I think so. I, I think he delivers. I think he succeeds 95% of the time. All right, we, as we go through this plot, you tell me what jokes worked for you. I've, I actually wrote some down. Okay. Um, he's our mechanic. He's telling uh, Finnegan he needs to be gentle. This comes up quite a bit. You got to be gentle with her. Um, and then here's the first, was this intended to be R, like harder R, and then they tried to veer back to PG-13 and then gave up because Layla comes in from the rain. She's pissed off. And right there in in front of everybody decides to change her shirt. And I'm wondering here, was there a, was there nudity early on or was this just something to quickly tantalize? But we blow right past that to West Studi Magua from Last of the Mohicans and Heat. He comes up. He's our chief. He's complaining about uh, where are we? Will we make our time? There's some a pretty ham-fisted way of showing this is where we're going. We're here. <laughs> we're going here. I'm taking you here. M- middle um, middle of nowhere to middle of nowhere squared. Yeah. He starts to kind of ask what's going on. Shut up and do your job. Uh, if the cash is there, we do not care. This is the the mantra for this crew. Um, they always... That guy's... Uh, what's his name? Finnegan. His, his like, boat captain's chair. It looks like, a, like it was made by Alienware or something. It looks like a gamer, like... Like it could have just had speakers in the headrest and it would have looked the exact same. I also, I get that he's mostly piloting via radar and a few other things, but the eye line with the window Mm -hmm. also doesn't make, like why even have the window 
I didn't right. quite understand that. At one point, it looks like what's-his-name is actually shaking the chair because he's standing perfectly still, and the chair is just, like, going the, all over the place. Layla, Layla, the mate, when they do it later, you can tell she's definitely, like, she, like they're having her bounce a little bit. There's a part where that main bad guy comes up, too, and he's just stand, like he's standing perfectly still. Yeah, that's what I'm just talking about. Yeah, and Finnegan is like, it looks like he's on the choppiest water ever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it looks like he's shaking the chair. <laughs> it's just Wes Studi and his awesome balance. <laughs> I, I bet, I bet Treat Williams was just like, I think my guy would be shake. Like, <laughs> I think my guy's chair would be really rocking in this water. Treat Williams is so method. He gave, he gave Finnegan um, early onset Parkinson's. <laughs> take a take a couple of the bolts out of this chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only does West Studi come up, I guess his sort of second in command comes up, and he's immediately a dick to everybody. There's like twenty um, people under <laughs> under this boat. Yes. We don't know that yet. Uh, my first sort of question note here is the score. Did this seem like it was for a different movie? I'm trying. Is this certainly? Well, is this certainly the, in the first half of it? Yeah. Is it like real adventurous kind of like music? Yeah. It's, the, yeah. It's, it's like it's trying to be tropical, but the movie itself, though on the open sea, is not remotely tropical. Mm-hmm. Um, we zoom uh, we zoom in to the Argonautica, the worst cruise ship name ever. Mm. Uh, this to me is the only real bad CG of the movie. I know Kyle talking before you had made some mention of the CG. I think a lot of the CG is actually pretty good, but the boat is the worst part of it. Any of the establishing shots or any zoom in and zoom out on the cruise ship i think is pretty mm-hmm. atrocious yeah because they kind of go for that shot where it like it goes from the first boat like there's no cut it just takes you over to yeah the second one uh the argonautica this is a casino sort of chinese inspired um cruise ship um it's a fucking madhouse. People are having a great time. Did you guys see the lady waitresses share a smooch? You I know was it. laughing at the two okay. dancing bartenders like hitting each other's hips. Yeah, they they really got some great extras to just look like they're having a great time. Uh, we see a lady in red. She's moving amongst the crowd. Um, we get this awesome drum breakdown which I fucking love. I kind of wish the score had more of that mm-hmm. in it. Um, and then there, has this guy ever played a good guy? I mainly know him as Dr. Chilton from Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Canton, is that his name? Canton, yeah, yeah, Anthony yeah. Healed. Okay. Yeah, he's like a bad Simon. guy always. Yeah, and he fucking delivers mm-hmm. always um he starts to give a speech we we realize that he is the ship's designer 
uh, his greatest goal or his biggest dream in life was to create the greatest, most luxurious, most expensive pleasure ship ever built. I would not ever go on this boat. I don't ever want to go on the biggest boat. I don't want to go on the most any boat. It doesn't work out ever. I mean, one of them's got to pan out eventually. Let somebody else figure that out. You've just not heard about the successes. You only hear about the ones that go bad. Mm -mm. You only hear about... uh, I want an average boat. I want an average cruise ship. I want an average crew. I want a boat that eh, if we could sink, I want like honesty. I don't want... uh, you only hear about the Argonauticas and the Titanics of the world. Like right now there's a giant boat cruising around just perfectly fine in the water. Right. But it's not the most anything. It's not the best anything. Well, one boat on the water has to be the biggest. There's and it has got to be one. And yeah. it is creeping and it is due, my friend. So do you think the biggest boat is constantly moving down like every day? Yep. <laughs> as soon as you're the biggest, your days are numbered. Yeah. It's like I would never want to be the top drug dealer. <laughs> you know? All right. Uh, so he gives his big speech. The crowd is revved. They're fucking stoked. Um, we see our lady in red. This is Fam K. Jansen. Smoking hot, put her on the list. <laughs> what list? Hold on, the big right. list. The big list. Right. We got a big list of babes. <laughs> Who else is on the babe list? I would put Layla, the first mate, on the list. Uh, yeah, we got Susan Sarandon from The Hunger. Vincent. So Raven. Uh, if that, if the- Sandra. Would you put Sant? Was that was that her name? I don't remember. Monster Dog's girlfriend. <laughs> I'd pick that old. Uh, yeah, it was Sandra. Sad titted lady from Convoy. No, sad it's just titty. so sad to think about. <laughs> the the lady who looks like she's crying. Yeah, the she... most reluctant <laughs> the, sex. The worst birthday present ever. I got this for you. Here, here it is. You can have it. Put her on the babe list. I get you need every, every list needs a bottom. <laughs> exactly. Well, each one of these movies we should sh- should have representation. That's true. That's true. So, Black Dog I guess his wife? I guess. I was going to say maybe that lady at the convenience store. That's like the <laughs> Yeah, I think those are the only two women in the film. His daughter well, it's moving on. We're really treading on thin ice now. So, Fam K. Jansen, she bumps into our captain. Captain seems like a really nice guy. Uh, she steals his wallet, takes his key card. She goes outside, talks shit about his picture. Mm-hmm. Takes his key card, no cash in a wallet, throws it overboard. She starts to hear this moaning scream in the distance. Why would you not have cash, though? Do you need cash on a cruise? You don't need it, but I mean, come on. It it is kind of sad considering he's the captain of the ship. Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying. It makes him look like okay. a bum. He's, he's got everything he needs. He he's should the have, captain of a big-ass ship. He should have $932 at least. No, nobody carries that. Pretty specific number. In <laughs> if, cash. You're the, if you're the captain of a casino boat and you have no money in your wallet, you look like an idiot. Throughout maybe this he's film, got a maybe he's got a gambling problem, so he knows not to keep any cash on him. Throughout this Th- film, when I made notes, I came up with my own little section called "We Get It," and uh, going back to uh, Canton, Canton's uh, speech, "We get it, everybody's rich on the boat." And we get it; she can steal a wallet because I think that's the second one she steals. Was the captain's? What is she it? is the first one. Oh, the, okay. She's she does. Okay. she's still yeah coming up, coming up. Yeah. Uh, so she's freaked out. She hears some moaning in the distance. Then we cut back to our first boat, and then we see Australian Colin Farrell throwing I, up. I thought it was him until like three fourths the way through the movie. Yeah. Um, worst, I don't know. Worst tear, by the way. The act, oh, I was fucking badass, bro. <laughs> I can't wait for this pandemic to end and I get my lines right. <laughs> Fuck. Are you going to get the, right. that one cut into the side? Oh, I'm getting two. Damn. You doing your eyebrows? Yeah. Well, I've been doing those of my own at home. Sweet. Speaking of eyebrows, I'm gonna talk, we're going to talk eyebrows later. Good job. Australian Colin Farrell, he's throwing up. He's surrounded by a bunch of mercs. This might be the best merc, like mercenary gang casting I've mm-hmm. seen in a while. Um, you got Jaiman Hansu, uh, Cliff Curtis Jr., who I think is a really underrated actor, uh, Jason Fleming, and then Clifton Powell. We saw Clifton Powell earlier. He was like the number two who was unnecessarily aggressive up on the uh, up with Finnegan earlier mm-hmm. um, so Australian Colin Farrell he's also Kano in the Mortal Kombat movie yeah I don't know Kyle you might be too young for Mortal Kombat oh I saw was Mortal a, Kombat okay it was a pretty was hardcore rotation from 95 to 98 I think a lot of teen center watches that Mortal Kombat. All right, so this is how we're introduced to the gang. They all are, I think they do a decent job of giving them some personality, but like we talked about, it doesn't really do much. I think Jason Fleming's is the only, I mean, he he is second only to the uh, to West Studi in terms of survival. While they're dicking around, um, Pantucci sneaks into the cargo hold. He finds the torpedoes. Uh, here's a joke that I thought worked when the thing ticked and he jumped back and said, I'll fucking hit you. Like, I thought that was funny. Um, and even on my second rewatch, I, it, I still smirked at a lot of these. Did you, Without fi- did you double I'd, over when your sides were splitting apart? Yeah. Good. Um, they do. There's a lot of the stereotypical. He's trying to be quiet. 
Finnegan's yelling at him on the radio, some back and forth. He needs some quiet time. Doesn't take long. Mercs find him. They start beating the shit out of him. Uh, Which happens a lot. Yeah. That he gets the shit beat out of him? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're fucking wailing on him. I mean, there's a good 30 seconds. Layla convinces Finnegan, go down there. Um, I think his reluctance is kind of funny. Like, no, those guys are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually goes down. And I, Finnegan can just flip a switch. Because it's not like he goes down there and is reluctant. Like, once he's made the decision, he goes pretty full badass pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So he's got a spear gun. There's a little bit of a standoff. A pretty um, lopsided standoff. Yeah. It's it's him with that... Three or four spears in that gun, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And then literally everyone else with, like, a at least a handgun at the very yeah. minimum. He has the advantage in the fact that um, nobody there would be able to pilot this janky-ass boat. Mm-hmm. Or they wouldn't figure out how to shake the chair or you know, in the right configuration. Or be gentle enough with the poker radar. Yeah, I, I was going to say, or how to get the poker program off the radar screen. Yeah. <laughs> you just hit escape twice. Yep. That, that would take hours to figure out. So while they're beating the shit out of Pantucci, Famke Jansen tries to break into the vault. Does she just have a magic little key? Well, because she breaks into not only does she get in the vault really quick, but she just breaks into a security box. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too when I watched this. Because unless that was like the captain's locker, yeah, I don't know how she would have that little. They're like a like safety deposit boxes or something. Yeah. And she's got the key magically for it. Oh, when she gets the necklace out, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if they were trying to say that she knew to hit that box, that she had the key for that box, or what. I think. Well, and if that is unclear, if that is the captain's box, then why not wear that necklace proudly as you pilot the boat? He would have looked beautiful. Maybe that's why he's got no cash in his wallet. <laughs> well, it seems like he's just trying to play himself as like a popper, you know, like I don't have any cash. I don't wear my beautiful crystal necklace. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, brag a little, dude. You're the captain. Maybe his wife's on there with him. Wear a big three corner hat with a feather in it. Do whatever you want. He's the captain. Exactly. Uh, she doesn't get very far, not so fast. She's caught by the crew, the captain, and Canton, who already has her extensive international police record. Mm-hmm. Six arrests, five convictions, wanted in four countries. Um, yeah, at one, he's, he's good. He says at one point they're 600 miles out. And he said, we got this fax about you. It's like, that's a pretty good fax machine. Mm-hmm. Um, too bad there's no brig ready yet. You can't throw a lady in the brig, which is like reverse sexism, sexism in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So instead, they just throw her into a produce fridge, which isn't that bad. They end up, she's got ice, champagne, snacks. Yeah, it looks awesome, dude. Yeah. It's full of food and booze. Looks like a good time. Yeah. That's what a cruise is anyway. That's true. You got um, to pay for mixed drinks, though. We cut back to our attack boat. Pantucci is talking about the torpedoes down there. He says the bank sure would make your butt pucker. And this is where we find out that Layla is uh, Pantucci's squeeze. Mm-hmm. And then, my friends, the mercs arm up. Gun boners. Say, say hello to the Chinese M1L1 triple pulse assault rifle, rotating barrels, 1,000 round capacity, auto cooling, water tight. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Say tight again. While this is happening. Kyle? Tight. There you go. <laughs> How did they uh, auto cool? They got a fan in them, just like the torpedoes have CD player in them. It's a little mini radiator. Okay. My All my questions have been answered now. <laughs> you just blow on it, man. No, you don't have to blow. It blows itself. Auto. It's the auto. Yeah, dude. It blows itself. How do I get that? Yoga. Somebody just walks right into basically the brain of the cruise ship and starts changing the CDs in the 10-disc CD changer. (laughs) Just change the music. Yeah. Um... And then before you know it, the ship is now shut down. Complete meltdown. Um, what, no cloud backup? Nope. Just fax machines. It's all on CD, dude. Yeah, bro. And those CDs are snapped, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we cut to the bridge of the cruise ship. We got nothing working, but for some reason, the sonar's still working. We get a little extra under five going. Something coming this way, big. Canton immediately says, probably just a pot of whales. Starts to get tense. And then, boom, the boat is rocked. Hold on. If we, get a full, okay. we get a full countdown from 130 yeah. to zero. We get a Chris Berman <laughs> yard line countdown. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this just makes me ask, like, why would you have any balconies on a boat? Well, you got to have, I mean, you got different levels. I get that, but. People got to go no out there and look at the No balcony should be ocean. more than like one or two. Where are you somberly going to smoke a cigarette after your I get, wife okay, has man, left you? <laughs> I'm thinking on the on the inside of the boat. The outside of the boat, I understand you physically have to have them. But the inside, these big atriums were six stories up. I feel like you're just Dude, stories, asking for... Stories equal luxury, bro. That's the Argonautica, you're right. dude. You're right. Yeah. You're right. More... How else am I supposed to spy on waitresses macking? Mm-hmm. Do you remember in 1998 when you were just like, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think everything does work off of CD-ROM. Like, it, 
I'm sure if we saw this in 98, I would just be like, it totally makes sense that the boat, like all the core functions are on CD-ROM. I, my thought was, man, that must've cost like 50 bucks for those. <laughs> to just to get the CDs, just to get the CDs. Yeah, yeah man. T- a 10 pack of CDRs. Mm-hmm. Remember that shit mm-hmm. was like $30. It wasn't cheap. It was enough to be pissed. Like, yeah. And then it took you five hours to burn mm-hmm. an album. Do you think he just replaced like the boat's core program with like a like a sweet series of mixtapes that he made? Dude, no mixtape ever paid off for me. <laughs> did it for anybody? Hell yeah, dude. My mixtape Somebody kicked did. ass. I'm just you were saying it took five hours to burn. It to it would I'd be up all night making these perfect lists, getting on LimeWire and Kazaa. Mm-hmm. Trying to find acoustic versions of these where Howard Stern didn't interrupt. <laughs> Wait, you you were trying to find acoustic versions? Yeah, you know. Well, maybe that's why your mixtapes weren't panning out. Yeah. You had like the... like trying to be sl- sweet, bro. The slow jams for everything. Mm-hmm. The sex now, jams. Not me, dude. Just like eight Eminem songs. I'd punch a hole right through the wall. <laughs> Poured a bottle of bleach this on your hair been. and just yeah, whatever's dude. there, man. January 98, this would have been... Yeah, this is right before Eminem's first album. So, what was big around... I'm thinking like... Did we talk about Eve 6 a few episodes ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dude Ranch was huge, 98. Oh, hell yeah. I'm thinking Verve Pipe. Uh, no. That Bittersweet was, Symphony. Well, I was thinking Freshman. I was like, that was like 90. Or that was The Verve, six. right? The Verve Pipe is The Freshman. The Verve is Bittersweet oh, okay. Symphony. I feel like they're closer than. Uh, I think. I remember the freshman when I lived in Chicago because I spent the night at this dude's house. Edit out his name, I guess. But his sister would like play that shit like nonstop, like on repeat. I was like, what the fuck? She's like, he's like, dude, every night she fucking listens to this song like six times. And I'm like, what the fuck is it? He's like, the verb pipe, dude. The, the freshman. That out. Al- the that album was '96. Yeah. He, here's a 1998. And uh, '97 for the verb. Ooh, really? Little truly madly deeply by Savage Garden. Oh yeah, bro. That throw that one on repeat. Cry a few of those made their way on some CDRs. If that didn't get you some stinky fingers, I don't know what will. I mean, you follow that up with a little Eminem hit. The only fingering <laughs> going on was me putting my finger through that hole to put it in a fucking disc drive, bro. 
I thought he was gonna. Did you do? You, did you do an Ebert after you push play? It, it turn those lights down low. Throw on a little Savage Garden. <laughs> savage, all right. I don't know why Blues Traveler is also like. I'm, I'm mixing Blues Traveler in there too around this time. Is it Shake Your Money Maker too hot to handle? Too hard to handle? Blues Traveler? No. Yeah, I don't know why I'm thinking that. There's a Black Crows. Yeah. Why was what year? Surely that was. What was that? Oh, four. Four was '94, so it was probably something that was slowly making its way back to like down to the middle school kids. Uh, getting jiggy with it was '98. Ooh. So jagged little pill. You're, Around that time, you're still the one by Shania Twain. Timeless. Uh, all right, so our boat is rocked. The um, uh, the main thing that we see from this, sort of on the outside of the boat, is a speedboat loosen from its rigging and drop into the water. That's going to come back. the The crowd absolutely panics. We get a stampede. Um, yeah, where are they pr- running? I have no idea, but there's some pretty gnarly like sound editing here when they show four the four or five people in a row get trampled through that hallway. Um, we see a poor woman hide in a toilet. Uh, that seemed to be not a good idea. Well, we know she, at least where one of them was running towards. Yeah. Uh, panic, panic shit sets in. <laughs> insert period joke here. Yeah. So she gets it probably in my third or fourth greatest fear. Snake Get in the toilet. Something, yeah, something uh, comes up through the toilet. And, oh, okay. I thought you just meant dying asshole first. Oh, I hope I die. <laughs> hope I die. How did he go? Because they say when your asshole dies, like your brain's still alive for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you're just sitting there blinking while your asshole's gaping for air? Yeah. I think your asshole's gaping for air always. I mean, it's just really trying, though. Most of the time, it's easy. All right, so her asshole explodes onto the mirror. And we we cut to uh, the Mercs back on our attack boat and they are starting to set up something it's pretty obvious it's a torpedo launcher it takes finnegan a minute to realize that he's getting pissed at their putting holes in his boat um very quickly the speedboat that we saw fall off of the cruise ship gets run over by our boat we find out the name of the engines for this boat are jezebel and hercules um they're no longer working from this crash. We got a big ass hole in the hole. They got to shut everything down. Um, Did Hercules have like a little companion? I felt like they could have uh, picked two names that were like, you know, you could have had two things that went together. Right. So like Hercules and something else Greek. Yeah, like that 
bear that he threw into the stars or something. Pegasus? No, that's not the bear. That's a horse. That goes with Hercules. It's what yeah, he rides. I guess. No, so that was in the Disney movie because I was going to say, what was that little Danny DeVito goat guy? Satan. Because no, wasn't was Pegasus me. with Percy's? Clash of the Titans guy. That is with the chick. Xena? Yeah. Xena had a sidekick. Should have been Hercules and Xena. Yeah, that would even be better. Because then when you'd be like, get the pump fixed on Xena. (laughs) (laughs) Or if the captain says, give me more, and you say, I'm giving her all she's got. Um, So there's a lot of... Pantucci. banging and and whining oh my gosh you know i'm not going to be able to fix this then we find out magically the um layla's looking out into the distance sees something out there turns out it's a cruise ship pretty quickly we find out where the mercs were going and they take over we got a a mutiny on our hands so they're going to go aboard the ship they reluctantly basically have to take Finnegan and Pintucci with them because they say if there's a machine shop and they've got some spare parts, we could potentially fix the boat and get out of here. Good motivation for them to have to go along. Mm-hmm. They leave Billy, the sort of youngish, sexy mercenary, on the boat with Layla. And then they uh, sort of reverse repel up into the boat. Um, that was, there's another joke that I think works. Joey, uh, looks at Finnegan and was like, that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Like cute little moment. I think that works. Yeah. I like that bit. That was a good bit. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, some alpha sh- bullshit. Here come the party crashers. And then we immediately, we start really getting the, the true sort of reluctance of, treat he's like, i don't see any party there's nothing going on um i think they start doing their this is where it's like you actually kind of see how tactical and and straightforward these guys are they start listing off their plan where they're going you know so they're pretty prepared on this um but as they go there's nothing around they go th- multiple rooms running through casinos then they start to see some blood this is an exchange i like we got blood here. Blood here too, mate. We got blood everywhere. We and get I, it. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. that's. I was kind of waiting for Joey to go, so what? I'm full of blood. Like this. <laughs> but a real unnecessary buildup. This is now where they start to question, where is everybody? The lifeboats are still here, but we haven't seen anybody. Um. The mercs are spooked. Then we get our Predator gun firing like crazy. We finally get to see the M1L1 in action. Fuck yeah. Um, fuck yeah. I think they're spooked by like a firecracker or something. Yep. That randomly spins. Yep. So. And it's, it, don't they even do a thing where it's like after they calm down, they just keep shooting it? Yeah. They treat basically yells like, whoa, whoa, there's nothing. They stop. And then a few of them look at each other like, oh, that was pretty fucking cool Mm -hmm. and then decide to just blast some more 
I mean, if you had the Chinese M1L1, one you want assault rifle? Yeah, would not you want to just fire off a few rounds? Like, I mean, I feel like you'd have to. Yeah. I mean, it's an automatic weapon. Yeah, but it's just kind of. I feel like I'd be in those in those same shoes, you know, like. Well, let's just pump a few more rounds into that firework. <laughs> I would run out of all my bullets before the mission even started. Have you ever walked into your bedroom and just said that? Yeah. Let's pump a few more rounds into that firework. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't, you should try it, Kyle. That's like... Just saying that, that's like shooting a starter's pistol for us. It's on. So the chief, he's obviously getting spooked. So he says, all right, it's time to split up or split up one team to the machine shop, the rest of us to the bridge. Um, did you forget Famke Jansen was in this movie? Because we cut to her waking up. She hears something in the pipe. She's getting a little freaked out. Uh, but don't matter. She just pokes some wires and the door opens right up for her. She could have done that hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as she got into the room. Some more generic, where is everybody? Um, it's like everybody just vanished. They say, they say something like that in six or seven different ways. On the bridge... We cut to Layla and Billy on the boat. She's repairing. They're sinking. They really, really hold on her weld for a while. They're really selling. They're really leaning into this jump scare. In water. In water, yeah. Uh, She starts yelling at him, you know, turn the pump on. He's getting pissed. You're not the boss of me. I'm supposed to be the boss. Then this uh, dead body pops up. She's scared. Well, how much time has passed between the casino boat getting attacked and this corpse washing up, because it looks like it's been in the water for... It's pretty bloated and gross. Months? Yeah. 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 I mean... Um, there is a little question between the amount of time. I agree with you. Well, um, it's either like months apart or this corpse is completely unrelated to yeah to what happened on the casino he, boat he might have just been partying so goddamn hard <laughs> fell off last week yeah he could have yeah he could have fallen off the wagon last week well I, I guess it's equally as true that uh that could just be how that guy's human body looked like maybe <laughs> he was just Dude. a big bloated pile of meat he looked kind of time of in the time of covid beers i'm hesitant to judge any man's body <laughs> um so this this little fake fake out doesn't last very long layla unfortunately gets it she gets quickly sucked out of the boat asshole first mm, oh, oh it's i don't know midsection first mm. i hope she went asshole first so she could just get that few few winks of bliss go go play the tape again dude i think it's asshole first okay i think most people get get got in this movie asshole first get got asshole first motherfucker 
get got, asshole, first. Um, we got our four guys down in the machine shop, Pantucci and Finnegan. They're being watched by Australian Colin Farrell and Cliff Curtis. There's a exchange back and forth. Kano says that he does not like Pantucci. You don't even know me. I think that's another joke that I think works. Have you been and calling then boys, him Kano this whole time? Yeah. <laughs> it's Kano. He's either Kano or Australian I, Colin Farrell. I just noticed. Okay. I think his name is T-Ray. T-Ray. Yeah. Because later, uh, Jason Fleming's like, no, not T-Ray. <laughs> like the way he, it's and, like he's and, the one guy that shouldn't have been gotten. Yeah, that part is a that's an interesting scene. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, boys, let's not wait any longer. We got ourselves a smut wall. <laughs> oh, yes. <Did> ever. <laughs> I hope we're keeping track on our Excel sheets. That's uh, that's two. That's two smut walls in the span of, what, seven flicks? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a pretty good percentage. You know, just when all, when, you know, a bunch of guys working at a gas station or in the belly of a boat get together. This is what they do. They just, by instinct, build a wall of smut. Now, I noticed that this smut wall was smaller, but it did prompt this mercenary to be a lot more vocal to that wall. Like, it was getting a lot more play, whereas the maximum overdrive walls, I felt like they were just sort of there. Well, the... The guys in Maximum Overdrive have probably been working there for most of their adult lives. The one in Maximum Overdrive was a lot more smutty than than this one. Yeah. Sign of the times, dude. You can't can't put full frontal on your smut wall in your movie anymore. You're right. The guys that work in this machine shop, the smut wall probably isn't exciting to them. You know, they've been there since the beginning. It's like, you know what? They're on the same schedule. Smut wall's working. I'm working. You know, it doesn't happen. It's a nice little nice little break whenever you yeah. just glance over there. Mm-hmm. Um I bet I bet the one in this ship, like it's it's the exact same wall every time. I guarantee you those guys at the Dixie Boy, that wall was constantly evolving. Oh, no doubt. They were bringing in new photos every day, folded up in their pockets. Way, way to bill and GMC this one. Yeah. How, how pissed would you be if you got, you know, if you started to have a relationship with one particular part of the smut wall and some asshole took that home? It's like when I was a kid and people would take home Legos mm-hmm. from kindergarten. It's like these are our Legos. These aren't your Legos to take home. You know, I'm very socialist with my smut and my Legos. Sure. <laughs> um, something crawling around. It's about time somebody finally gets it. It's not very long for um, for T Ray Kano. He's off on his own. It's pretty tense. Um, he takes like a handful of ocean water. I couldn't tell if he was. He drank it. Yeah, what that was about. And then, um, and then I think my favorite moment of this whole movie. 
Is it Pantucci trying to open the peanut? Oh, no. It has to do with T-Ray. Okay. Because all of a sudden, he just has a bunch of wires in his arms. Like, oh. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, no wire has been an issue this whole time. And now all of a sudden. he So he gets sucked in so hard that the gun somehow manages to reappear in the machine shop. I don't understand the physics of this. I was confused about that as well. Plus his bloodshot. So the only thing I thought was maybe he was sucked into one of the pipes. Yeah, but he wasn't. Yeah. He was sucked between like multiple pipes. And that's what I'm looking at my notes. But now Kyle's got me so fucked up. I can't recall if he was sucked up by the asshole or not. (laughs) Oh, he definitely was. So he was sucked up. I wrote in my notes, Colin Farrell has a look around. He gets sucked into the water asshole first. Okay. He got get he got gitted by the asshole first. Mm-hmm. Get got. Yeah. All right. Um t- t- rest and in then peace, T Ray. Yeah. Then his gun shoots through a tube and lands in the machine room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that hard. I don't I don't understand it. It you know, pipes are connected. Shit happens. In the room you're in right now, if I sucked you through the vent asshole first, where do you think your shirt would end up? I don't know. I want to go back to you saying pipes house. are connected. <laughs> Bathroom. All, any unconnected pipe is just a tube. You got to be connected to be a pipe. Well, that's a duct. So no. when we go on break, I'm going to shit at my pipe. And see if it comes up in your guys' place. You're going to shit out of your... Or, so bile's going to come out of your duct. You're going <laughs> to shoot out your asshole, which is a tube, into a pipe. And I'm going to yeah. see if it pops up on Kyle's ceiling. Well, you have to get you have to get it through the pipe so fast that it... <laughs> All right. Well, you hit me on a taco hell night, and I'll let you know. You watch that ceiling, brother. You have to really get it moving for it to, you know, go into another part of the house. Oh, I got a, I still got some umped, Kyle, down there. Do you double ump? It may, uh, it may uh. take me um, ten minutes for a pee, but pff, shitting's a different story. Now your dick is a pipe. Your dick is a duct. <laughs> what is a duct? It's a duct. Like, it's like a pipe with a fluid sac on it's it. It's like a membrane. I'm talking about on the human body. Yeah, it's a pipe with a fluid sac attached to it. That is... I got the World Wide Web in front of me. What am I talking to you for? Bile duct. Bladder duct. Tear duct. Tear duct. It's a pipe that leaks water. <laughs> or liquid. Human duct podcast. Follow. We we already discussed all the good names we're taking, dude. Duct anatomy. In anatomy, and a duct is a circumscribed channel leading from an exocrine gland or organ. It's a ditch. 
<laughs> which is a half tube. It's a shallow All grave right. for your liquids to go. <laughs> oh my god, that's a breast. Lac- oh yeah, there's also milk ducks. Yeah, lactitious mm-hmm. duck. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Tell me more. You got to get in there and unblock those ducks. Mm-hmm. All right, so Famke Jansen, she will not give up. She tries the vault again. Quickly caught by the Mercs. They're pretty grateful because with her key card that she stole, they don't have to blow anything up. Um, but Jimin Hansu, Vivo, um, he gets an axe right to the dome. This is my favorite effect of the movie. Mm-hmm. This looks so good. It's pretty good. This looks way better than the monster stuff. Yeah. Um, immediately, a few of the other survivors, or a few of the other mercs, just start laying into uh, the people inside of the vault. Turns out that Canton, the captain, and a few other people were hiding in the vault. Turns out it was Canton that threw the axe right into Vivo. He immediately starts to apologize once he realizes who these people are. There's some great... uh, dialogue from the captain who's pissed that these people got shot up he's like those were innocent people in there it's like bro your ship designer just fucking axed this guy (laughs) right in front of you yeah uh so down in the machine shop cliff curtis is finally um interested in what's going on he's been pulled away from the smut wall now that t ray's been killed um there's a line there's a line here where he's like T Ray was my and then he just he doesn't complete that sentence. Well, that was between him and T Ray. Well, obviously something. Yeah. That was between him, T Ray, and God, Kyle. Uh yeah, so he gets sucked up. Now Finney has an M one L one. Um Fuck yeah. Fam- fuck yeah. Famke sneaks away. She gets into an elevator. Um, she goes, I think she goes up then down or down then up. Yeah, she can't really uh, make up her mind. Yeah, she, I don't, she doesn't know. Now, if she had just stuck her key into it, I think it probably would have worked for her. Yeah. The rest of the survivors get in. Uh, this is how we get our little meet cute. Finnegan runs into her. She's immediately attracted to this 47-year-old substitute <laughs> teacher. Great hair. Uh, he does have great hair. I think he's a good-looking guy. I think he's a good-looking guy. I. He just. He's just like. He reminds me of like a. A fucking corny ass dad or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you're a treat freak. <laughs> no. <laughs> Talking to Sam, bones. Sam knows him from. I. She was. He was on a show called Everwood. Yep. Which I never watched, but Sam will watch every once in a while. Um, the thing I really know him from is he took he takes over for Tom Berenger in the substitute movies. Uh, that's my. That. Which one of those movies is going to work their way into this podcast for sure? But he's also the bad guy in the Phantom, the Billy Zane superhero movie. <laughs> that's been some years. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so everybody's in the elevator finally. We start getting some 
noises, some monster noises. What the hell's going on? Um, here's the trailer joke then. This is the girl from Ipanema joke. Um, the mercs come in. There's a quick standoff. They realize that they're out outgunned. The chief is yelling, drop it. This is what I thought was a funny bit. Finney drops his gun. Pantucci drops his gun. And then Famke Jansen drops her shoe. I didn't mm-hmm. giggle. Which like I that. thought was good. Yeah. Uh, then uh, this was an interesting part. The chief is now the sort of aggressive person wanting to know what was going on. I did like this part of the story or the script rather that I feel like in most movies, Finnegan would be the one trying to figure everything out as he's our main hero, but he really is simply motivated to survive. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of being able to piece a lot of this together without having to ask. Whereas the chief, it's like his mind just does, can't comprehend and put any of this together without forcefully asking, which I, I don't know. I thought it was a good thing because it reinforced like why maybe the chief would be the leader of these alpha dudes in a way. So he's asking Canton what the hell happened. Um, the captain is even trying to back up what Canton's saying. Then all of a sudden the elevator drops and this should be the end of the movie because I can't figure out how they survived this. It's my note it's another, as well. I said, how the hell did anybody survive that? Yeah. Well, you you could almost say that this elevator gets sucked down asshole first. <laughs> yeah. These, these were most of the notes that I wrote down. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you found your your way in. Yeah. Oh, I got, you found a way to connect. That first kill, dude. I, was, I, I had one joke that worked, and I was just like, I can easily shoehorn this into the you rest. You just of the dev film. jammed this whole thing. Yeah, you found it. Yep, take it home. I did. Yep. I did think about you the other day, Kron. Whenever nice. I was listening to the Tenet uh, podcast, because he was talking about uh, gold bars, I was like, oh yeah. See? Oh, the blank check yeah, episode? he's like, they're just dropping gold bars. And like I immediately thought about Kyle. <laughs> I mean, people that know, man, I mean, it's just kind of... Littered. Yeah. Ancient one, Egypt littered with gold bars. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, like you don't realize how many electrical poles are up in your neighborhood until you start looking for them. Like... If you're out there listening at home, just start looking for gold bars. You'll see them everywhere. You've been quarantined for too long, my brother. I, I think you're jealous, dude. Never. I'm sitting on a mountain of gold bars, and you're sitting on a laundry empire. So we we finally start to see what happened to the people on this cruise ship. We get to the hallway of melted bodies. The Slayer music video, as I like to call it. 
See, and this this good looks, effects. Yeah, this was like the second looks best great. looking thing in the movie, and it sounds great too. Yeah, the crunch and the squeeze. Yeah. So Finnegan tries for a gun. The chief says, "You back off, Finnegan." In the way that he does, immediately changes his mind as our monster starts to approach. There's this quick like, "Hey," where he kicks up the gun to him, and then there's still more of a pause. Like that seems backwards. It should be monster comes through, hey, kicks it up to him, and then they start firing. Um, I think it was really trying to show that the monster could like bend metal. You know what I mean? Like it was that tough. Yeah. I. Yes. And they really reiterate that later when he's talking about how they got into the hole. Like how, like the awesome power of it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they move. They decide to get to get out. They back to the boat. Um, or we cut back to the boat rather. Billy's looking for Layla. This is where he starts calling her chick with the muscles. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't get. Don't get me wrong. She's hot, but I wouldn't call her chick with the muscles. I didn't see really a lot of muscles there. No. Then again, um, I couldn't see her topless. So. What a bummer. Yeah. We all have muscles. We all have ducks. We all got ducks. We all got muscles. Technically a true statement to call her a chick with muscles. Sorry. It's true. Um, the chick. captain tells chick. them that no radio communication has been sent and no communications can be sent. Nobody knows that they're stuck out here. Um. It doesn't take Finnegan very long to to pinpoint Canton as the inside man. Um, there's some back and forth there. You know, why can't we turn it back on? Canton basically says, no, I melted all systems at the core. With there's CD-ROMs. CD-ROMs, baby. So it must be an insurance thing. How much is this, you know, what's this ship worth? A few hundred million, 487 Point six million dollars. The whole idea was to loot the ship and then sink it with the torpedoes. You know, what about the crew? I may be a crook, but I'm no savage. Um, this really, f- you know, he's really hypocritical with this statement in the next 20 minutes. Um, then we get our first real shot of our tentacle monster. Um, it's creeping up and around through the pipes, tubing, and ducts of the ship. It's leaking bile everywhere. Yeah. It throws Billy up. Another great effect, I think, for 98. This looks really good, actually. So Billy had been eaten, and this is where we start to see the effect it has on a live body. Um, there's a quick firefight. They start getting out of there. There's a sep- Everybody gets separated again. This is the um, Finnegan and FamK share a little exchange. Give me to your boat. You can have whatever you want. Ha ha, a little sexy. What's Treat say? He says, can you get me a cold beer? And on that line, we take a break. Oh, yeah. I do got to pee.
hey, this was your choice, man. You should be stone cold what? sober right now. Me? Yeah. I'm sober as hell. <laughs> this is keeping my mouth wet. Mm-hmm. Don't want to sound right. dry on this pod. It's quite moist. This movie isn't dry. No, it's a pretty wet movie. This is a very wet movie. I mean, it's raining pretty much the whole time. And it's in the ocean. Man, they're getting it from all sides. And the people that get killed are just goop. Yeah. Man. I wonder if somebody's going to explain that to us. The goop? Yeah. Well, what I can tell you is finally we get to see these tentacles attack Without it being a quick cut, these things look like a cross between a face hugger and the predator mandibles. Um, yeah. What I didn't look up, oh, we'll get there. Um, Finnegan gets caught. Famke runs back. She's running through. She's got some sort of pistol. She manages to save him. Our poor captain, he gets sucked down through a uh, like a walkway or something. Ken has a chance to save him. It's pretty sad. Um, what are we going to say, Kyle? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, okay. Just a really good movie, right? Yeah. Um, then the first of Jason Fleming's like unnecessary alphaness, he just eat this, you wankas, and starts blasting into the thing unnecessarily. Um. They finally get away. They get a moment of pause, and this is where we get the unnecessary explanation about what this creature might be. Mm-hmm. Did you guys take notes here? Um, I, Ottawa? Evolution the, of the Ottawa? Yeah, the Archera Ottawa. Yeah. At 4,000 feet, the Ottawa are as long as a pencil, with bodies about the size of a golf ball. Those at 20,000 feet have been found to eat full-grown sharks. At thirty to 40,000 feet, will you do the math? Then we f- I can find tell out you that the, the full note that I wrote for this segment. Yeah. Which was, Canton gives some backstory about sea animals. Yours was much more efficient. <laughs> you wrote that in 20 seconds. I had to pause this six times. Um, finally, Finnegan starts to take charge. He comes up with a new plan. The chief is pretty reluctant, but ultimately follows. Um, now we've we've lost emergency power here. Pantucci says something like, you know, could it get any worse? And then the lights shut out. Um, then the only part or the only character flaw I have with Pantucci as they're going through trying to be quiet, he starts humming the girl from Ipanema. (laughs) The first time I think it's funny. Sorry, I can't get it out of my head. And then he starts to do it again. So it's like that justifies a swift kick in the ass or being sucked up by ass. Yeah. Um, getting sucked asshole first. mm, Gonna get it. Go, go and get it. Go and get got. All right. Um, 
Now we start to get to, and then the whole time, anytime they talk about directions, Canton says, let's go here. I know the boat better than anybody. And Jason Fleming somehow has like all the schematics of the boat on some rudimentary 98 iPad. Um, They get to a section. Canton is just blown away by the power of these things that they were able to break the hull. Um, We finally get a section where they're going to have to swim underneath. They're told it's about 20 meters. Certainly feels like it takes longer than 20 meters. Yeah, what's 20 meters? I I mean, that's... It's roughly 60 feet. Yeah. A meter's roughly a yard. We did the math. So, yeah, I feel like they... Why not just say 100 meters? Make it seem a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. It's... the, The tension that they get from it really is just a lame... Um, jump scare with an arm. Um, so Finnegan, Jason Fleming, and the chief, they go through first. He's going to fire two shots when it's safe. There's a... He takes... I don't, I don't follow the logic. It all seems set up just for this joke. But he takes Famke's John, uh, gun, gives it to somebody else, and says, can we give her a real gun? Somebody tells her, look out, it's got a lot of kick. She says, I can handle it. Turns out she won't be able to handle it. So they swim through. They get up. Another joke that I think works, Pantucci is holding his chest and looks at Famke. Says, can you just get asthma? Um, Monster comes through. Clifton Powell starts getting freaked out. Famke starts shooting. She falls in. Pretty much the rest of them just jump in and follow. Pretty uneventful. I mean, that gun's kick affected no one else in the slightest. No, not at all. Like if it's, And it was enough to blast her. Yeah, if it's strong enough to push a woman over, they should at least be struggling. Like, Well, maybe she doesn't have any muscles. Well, she has muscles. Uh, She's a Bond girl. She's got muscles. You know how bad you would look with no muscles at all? You were just... You'd be a skeleton with skin over the top of it. You'd look like the victims of this movie. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it would be. All right. Um, right. Um Mason loses it, or he's the one to not make it in this. So we're down to two total mercs when they come up through. I think, is it Mason and not T-Ray that Jason Fleming's like, no, not Mason. Like, he's yeah. really upset. Um, So now we're in the galley, and they're starting to have this, like, an argument. Um, Mulligan wants a standoff. He just wants to stay there. You know, in 24 hours, the authorities will be looking for us, whatever. We got food here. Let's just stay and fight. Finnegan disagrees. He tells a story about an octopus and a fish in a bottle. Trying to blast through here. So Yeah, great octopus story, bro. Yeah. I, I just, all you'd have to say is 
this is yeah. the interior of the ship. They were they managed to get in every other aspect of the ship. Like mm-hmm. we have to run. There's no staying anywhere. Um They do the while they're arguing, the creature comes up behind Mulligan and he's like, What is it? You know, it's almost the oh my god, it's standing right behind me sort yeah. of joke. Um and then to his credit, he immediately turns around and starts blasting the shit out of the thing. Well, he doesn't um, even turn around, right? He like over yeah, the shoulder. He, he kind of yeah. over the shoulders it, yeah. Um and everybody else just fucks off, doesn't even try to help him. <laughs> they just bail. Um and he stays way too long, keeps fighting the thing. I I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I'd be pretty good with that gun on these things. I feel like even these trained guys are still shooting from the hip, you know, and kind of waving it. I think I've played enough resident evil to know to line up my, my shot, you know, shoot where the tentacles going, not where the tentacle is. I think if you've got a thousand round capacity, maybe you're just kind of, (laughs) you're not focused in that much, you know? Yeah. Scarcity of ammo in, in Resident Evil makes you do a much better job. I get what, that the thing has a thousand rounds, but when it shoots a hundred rounds a minute, <laughs> like what is the point? You know? And line up the shit. Like you try to cut the head off the damn tentacle, you know, instead of just shooting into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like I'd be really good fighting tentacle monsters. All right, we are so close. Um, Mulligan fights the thing alone. The rest of them take off. The the tentacles are starting to close the hatches. They're basically leading the rest of the survivors where it wants them to go, forcing them to the bow of the ship. Dear God, what's at the bow of the ship? Canton sneaks away. The bow of the ship is basically the feeding ground. And then we see the huge atrium that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Um, some really grotesque visuals and sounds. Um, basically, this creature eats its prey, um, slowly crushes it, absorbs and drinks the juices of its prey, and spits out the skeletal remains. Drinks you alive. Drinks you alive. Um... We get split up again, Finnegan and Famke. They find Canton. He runs away. Uh, we also lose the parts of the boat. That's sort of a bummer. Pantucci and the chief, they're in another team. They're running away. They're running down a hallway. Um, a little bit with some grenades that doesn't really work. Um, the chief's trying to arm him and throw him, and Pantucci grabs one and just tosses it. Um, there's no way to get out of this. Um, the only way to slow them down is to feed them. What the hell does that mean? Chief shoots Pantucci in the leg and takes off, which I thought was awesome. I mean, he's kind of a dick move, but it's within his character, I think, to do that. Uh, Finnegan and Famke, the outside of the boat, they point, oh my God, an island. Actually, it's Canton that goes, an island. Right, he tells the audience, and then Famke sees, like, did you see that? Of course. Yeah, 
then the stereotypical is that heap of junk your boat. I'm like, shut up. You have nothing. Like, mm-hmm. at least I got a boat. You got a criminal record. It's like, do you want <laughs> off this ship or not, bitch? Yeah. By the way, you don't have any cold beer. Yeah. Deals for shit. Um, we, got, we see uh, Joey. He's crawling in, shot in the leg. Did you see the Argonautica, your fun ship sign? Yep. Don't know how that was lit up. That sounds real exciting. They had that one sign hooked up to a reserve generator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey crawls away. He finds a gun. Turns out to be it was the gun, right? That Finnegan took from Famk and gave to the chief earlier, right? I think so. Okay. Sorry the the part with Kano and his gun transporting to another side of the ship made me very obsessed with where the guns ended up throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, these guns just move. Yeah. It, it's kind of like they show up where they're needed most. Mm-hmm. Timing is everything. Duess X machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as, as Joey's trying to grab the gun, the chief grabs it. The chief is obviously in pain. He is slowly being sucked up by the asshole. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Kyle might have a theory here. I mean, you think it's a recurring joke, but it is a recurring motif in this film. How many times did you watch this movie? I watched it once. That was enough. You're supposed to say like five times to just patent that theory, you know? Oh, well, I watched the asshole scenes over and over. (laughs) But the plot bits, I could have done without. Skipped over. Yeah. See, I don't, and the the chief, I don't think he's making that face fighting the pain. I think he's fighting the, the sensation of how how good it feels, and he is he is mourning the life of wasted. Like, oh my god, I knew so many guys. This could have happened on so many tours. I think he's slowly turning into a cinnabite that just. Pain and pleasure are becoming one thing for him. All right. Uh, Pantucci takes the gun, takes off, starts having uh, a change of heart. He comes back, gives the chief the gun. Don't say I never gave you nothing. As he's running off, the chief shoots at Joey. I like that. Which I think is great. I like that scene too. Yeah. He turns around, you asshole, and runs off. The chief puts the gun up to his head to kill himself, but oh, out of bullets. So, I, I a really good sequence, I think. Mm-hmm. Really good, yeah. I enjoyed that one. Because, yeah, because I think, I'm sure you're like me. A lot of the times I think about this, like, ah, if that thing fucking got me, I'd, I'd shoot myself. Like, fuck that, after, especially after I saw how it, how it killed its prey. So... Um, Famke and Finney we cut to them she's looking for the Sea-Doo keys finally we're gonna get to these goddamn jet skis 
Kidu, baby. Yeah. Um, Pantucci shows up. There's a... Uh, so Finnegan's in the boat. Pantucci shows up. He surprised, or Finnegan's surprised that Pantucci's still alive. He asks about Layla. He says, I don't think she made it. We cut to Joey grinding on something. I don't, I wrote hard to grind when your go- your goggles are filling up with tears. <laughs> that was uh, my joke too. Just Im- like imagining someone welding while they <laughs> cry in their mask. Yeah. Joey goes through a I, lot in this film. Yeah. I guess if, yeah, be like grinding or especially being like a welder, nobody knows what faces you're making. Exactly. I mean, so I got to wear a mask at work all day. I can only imagine what faces I'm fucking making underneath. Like, I'm chewing gum. I'm licking shit out of my beard. Like, All right. Um, cut to now we're seeing Finnegan dicking around with the autopilot. We get to see the map and the plan. We're going to drive the boat out. We've only got a little bit of fuel anyway. We're going to drive the boat out and come back into the Argonautica. And finally, the shotgun comes out. Cut back to Famke. She's getting the keys. Canton shows up with a flare gun. Give me that key, you bitch. So, so much for not being a savage. Um, he's about to shoot her straight up, like point blank. In the fucking nose. Um, yeah. And then says something about like, this won't be painless or quick, but it'll be interesting to watch or something. Um, Finnegan shows up just in time. Doesn't even try to shoot him. I think he's just shooting around him. Mm-hmm. Um in line with how people somehow shoot those guns. Um, then the now what, which we haven't really talked about, which seems to be Finnegan's little line throughout the movie. Um, and then we get the fuck off center of this monster. Um, Finnegan gets wrapped up. He pulls the shotgun. We've all seen enough Resident Evil mo- like games and movies. You got to shoot that eye. Um, what are you looking at? He shoots the eye, lets him go. Then it's a lot of back and forth here. He gets to the boat, no Joey to be seen, just Pantucci's hat. This is actually a really good shot of the movie. Through the window. The quick zoom out that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he goes back up, catches up with Famke at the loading dock. She almost shoots him. Um... They, oh, okay. So they get on the the jet ski. Canton sees that the that Finnegan's boat is getting ready to pull off. Canton jumps off onto the boat, breaks his fucking leg. Then, is this the best jet ski sequence of all time? I was trying to think of if I'm like, where have is there other jet ski scenes? Hard rain. Uh, that that could come into this podcast. 
eastbound and down. This is a TV show, Kyle. Yeah, but they're, they're usually just grooving on those, right? It's exactly what I want to do on one. I mean, he's just running away from his problems, not necessarily a monster. He's just out in the lake. <laughs> Some topless lady with him. Hard rain. That's that's really all I can think of for jet skis. Yeah. Which is weird because you... It's jet skis. I mean, yeah, they are such a great mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. I think action film galore. It's the motorcycle of the water. I feel like it's more the moped of the water, right? No way, dude. Like, it's sort of embarrassing. Oh, we're on totally different wavelengths. <laughs> now they're badass. I'm just envious I don't have one. All right. Um, yeah, so they're they're booking in and out of the uh, of the ship because basically it was a hell of a jump, which I don't think it was that bad. I don't think they needed that much momentum to clear that ramp. So they're cruising in through the halls of the ship. Monster starts chasing him. Um, he finally pulls out the shotgun. He's not only steering and piloting; he's shooting. Shooting. And this is where we elevator buttons. Yeah. Well, later. So okay. he the first time he shoots, he shoots over the shoulder. He shoot unloads, then has her cock it, cock it, cock it. She cocks. He shoots it. Then, like you said, he's got to shoot an elevator door twice button to, to open it, get through. Has her cock it again. Um. We cut back to Ken. He's crawling into the cockpit. He tries to override the boat controls. No luck. The boat steers right into the Argonautica. The torpedoes explode just as Finnegan and Famke launch into the sea. Easily explode. I don't know how it didn't explode when they hit a fucking speedboat. Right. They explained that if a single one of those rockets had taken a direct hit, Mm -hmm. thank God none of them did. All right. Finnegan and Famke, they make it to the island. Famke's running around in the water. She finds a souvenir and runs up and is real excited about it. Why would she want a souvenir from that? I don't want to be fucking reminded of this boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, she gives him a kiss and then is real cocky about it. Better than a cold beer, huh? And I got to tell you, I think I'd rather take the beer. Like, given. Um, Joey swims up on a surfboard. <laughs> he starts talking about barely making it out of there and then kablooey. Uh, and then this makes me ask, do you think he died in the original script and they had like test screenings or somebody said like, he's got to live? Do you think he lived throughout the entirety of the original script? Yeah, I think you so. Th- you think after the test screening, they were like, "People love the Pantucci character." I, th- I, I don't. I feel like there were multiple times where the fact that they didn't show him disappearing on the boat, like they may have shot different mm-hmm. sequences to figure out whether or not he died. Summers was very impressed with his improv. And really liked him. 
Okay. So it might have been, and he was like, this guy's great. We might as well keep him in. Yeah, I would have had a real tough time. It's like uh, the one I always think of is L.O. Cool J and Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Like originally he was supposed to die, and then as they were making the movie, they realized like he's actually a really great character. Mm-hmm. And they like Tom Jane is so wooden and everybody else, like there's nobody to really root for. So he ends up making it all the way. Um, and then I think Jaws, isn't there somebody in Jaws that dies too? Doesn't uh, Richard Dreyfuss' character in the book, doesn't he die? I don't but know. He li- okay. Anyway, just throughout the movie, I got the sense that like, oh, this is was, was like a choose your own adventure. There's a cut of the movie where Joey dies here. Maybe he was just hedging for a sequel. He was like, let's keep this guy in. I, I'd watch Dead Rising too. If there was a fucking sequel, I'd watch it this weekend. <laughs> All right, so... He makes a little joke that I see you guys sharing a kiss. I can walk down the beach, you know, Joey, nothing. Leave it alone. Do you think that would be your reaction if your girlfriend had died and you had been crying in your welder's mask? To just no. roll up on the ocean and be like, are you guys kissing? I mean, he's probably masking a lot of hurt. <laughs> well, he's got to be. Uh, all right. So looks like a nice, nice enough place. Let me start to hear some roaring. We cut around. We see this island's got a massive volcano in the distance. Some more roaring. Then we get the now what from Finnegan. The end. Dear God. Woo. Five pages, fourteen hundred <laughs> words. Sucks being a host probably more than any critic ever wrote about this film (laughs) all right so a few other things especially those assholes at the sun times fuck them uh i tried real hard to find any a real hard i tried about 30 seconds um for any like behind the scenes or featurette things on youtube for this I saw one two-minute scene. Um, one thing I liked, Stephen Summers said, all our heroes are bad guys, which I thought was, I, was like, eh, I don't know if that's necessarily true, Like, even though what's-his-name is a smuggler. Um, I never really got the sense that Layla and Pantucci were bad people. Yeah. Um, the original title for this was called Tentacle. Uh, Claire Forlina, is that how you pronounce her name? She was originally attached and then quit after like three days after creative differences. Um, And that made, so she was replaced with Famke Jansen and then I'm wondering, was like the whole casting based on eyebrows? Because these are two women that I highly associate like Famke Jansen very thin very defined and then Claire Florini's got those big thick ass caterpillar well they didn't want to give they almost didn't give it to her Famke because they thought since she just did Goldeneye that she would be too popular I guess 
which is like what I don't understand that logic. Wouldn't Why you wouldn't want you her want... in there then? Yeah. One of the most memorable parts from Goldeneye. I don't understand it. All you, right. You know when movie like when you when you're watching a movie and you're like oh, I I just saw this guy in another movie and I hate this. Uh okay, so have you guys watched Shit's Creek at all? Uh we're like a little six little episodes in the first season. Okay. Yeah. So Sam, we're on our second attempt and we're like ten episodes in and we we like it a lot. The first time we started it, like first two episodes, it didn't click. But Chris Elliott on that show, I have never liked Chris Elliott. I don't know what it is about him. Um and it is definitely carrying over into his performance. It's making him so unlikable. Who is he even, on the show? He's the mayor. Yeah, like the mayor. Oh, okay. Shit's great. But like the fake, the fake beer belly and like yeah, the shitty yeah. hair. Yeah. And I was telling Sam, I was like, they could have written him to be so much more likable, and I would still hate him. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big he, Chris Elliott fan either. Yeah, he gets much better as the show progresses. It really is a fucking hysterical show. Um, kind of bummed I was late to it. Kyle, did you look up any notes for this? No. Or any? Okay. I, I would you Would you be surprised that Harrison Ford turned down the starring role of this movie? Well, when you guys were saying that someone else was like wanted for the film, that's who I almost, like just based on how that character kind of is. And I mean, even Treat Williams is not, I mean, they don't really look alike, but it does seem like that's the vibe they were going for with that character. Oh, uh, Treat Williams is definitely the PTA version of Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean a parrot teacher association. Like he is the, (laughs) if, if Harrison Ford was on a school board, it would be Treat Williams. Well, yeah. my question is, it was... Four, Give me back my parts. <laughs> $45 million for this budget. When Harrison Ford turned this down, they downsized the budget. So they must have really thought that Harrison was going to go for it. I want to know what it was if Ford signed on for it. Yeah. I mean, he probably he's what a a five million ten million guy. I'd say that'd be at least a seventy million dollar film, probably. They might have made it back had they had him. I don't. Yeah, was he true. was he making money around this time though? Nineteen ninety eight. Wasn't this he doing like, like romantic comedies and shit? Yeah, Sabrina and yeah. Because Fugitive is 93. Let's see. Yeah, you got Fugitive in 93, Clear and Present Danger, Sabrina. So 97 is The Devil's Own, Air Force One, Six Days, Seven Nights, Random Hearts. Wow, that was a pretty good. Yeah, he's still. Six Days, Seven Nights, and uh, what was the other one? Before Random Hearts, no, before Six Days, seven. Air Force One, Air Force One was a hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so. Yeah, maybe it would have been a bigger hit. 
I just their biggest mistake is fucking releasing it in January. Yep. I think you would have made a lot more money in the summer. Well, I also wrote down that Treat Williams looks like Tim Thomerson, who's the guy from Trancers. Well, I also wrote down that we took a break at hour hour one minute twelve. It made good note. four million dollars in its opening weekend. I mean, that's not bad. It only made eleven million worldwide, so it no, was but a total flop. Do you, I want to know what like the mummy? What the mummy make its first weekend? I feel like the mummy probably grew. No, I think that shit was from breaking like, records, wasn't it? From word of mouth, though. Yeah, but I think that... Mummy Returns might have been breaking some records, but I feel like Mummy was this. I vaguely remember it being like, "Did you see the Mummy?" It's like Independence Day, where it comes out and people are like, "No," and then your buddy watched it and was like, "No, fucking Mummy's awesome." Is it a horror movie or is it an action movie? This? Yeah. This is an action movie. I would. That's what I would go with as well. Yeah. And I think it's it's so close to being a, a crowd pleaser. I think we were talking about earlier that it, it veers too much. It goes back and forth too much. But I think if you can nail that with the right audience, it's... That's a good thing. Independence Day does that. Aliens does that. The Mummy does that. But so this had to be a a money maker on VHS and and DVD. Yeah. So I looked this up. The Mummy opened on May seventh, nineteen ninety nine, and grossed forty three million dollars in three thousand two hundred ten theaters in the United States and Canada in its opening weekend. Damn. Uh, the highest non yeah the highest non holiday may opening of all time fuck i remember that, it going bonkers man that one was a hit right out of the gate what? yeah that's then i sit corrected it literally made the budget of deep rising in the first mm-hmm. week the mummy grossed over 416 million dollars worldwide Wow. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it on VHS. Damn, I think I saw it in theaters. I don't think I've finished it ever. And maybe I am confusing it with Independence Day because I I remember Independence Day being this... it, It wasn't even like something that I realized was in the theater. It was just somebody had a VHS of it and was like, check this out. I mean, that's pretty crazy that even after, because Deep Rising was at least released in 98, The Mummy was 99. Yeah. So it was like after this kind of big flop, they gave him an even bigger budget. Yeah, but that's. Yeah, because they would have been, he would have been shooting that right around now, right? Yeah, I would think so. Well, that's why I'm wondering if. Uh... VHS and DVD had something to do with that as well. Because I remember yeah. going to the shop at, and there was like fucking 
at least nine copies of Deep Rising. And like I said, we printed everything, so if it was there, we were watching I think, it. I think it's important for our three listeners to know that Dan and I grew up as military kids, so you may occasionally hear these terms, shop at, teen center. Um, PX. PX. Dark corner. Exchange. Dark web. Um, a the, shop at would have been just like a gas station. Imagine a Seven Eleven on an army base, yeah, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. We had in Guam, uh, in the barracks, we had to ride a block. There was a hole in this chain link fence that we could just fit our bikes through. We would pop through that, and then fucking ET style, we'd ride up to these barracks. And in the barracks, there was a barber shop a little shop at a video store and a sort of concession stand type thing. And we would go there once a week and buy comics and go get French fries and then go walk around this video store. And I remember bugging this guy over and over and over. Cause I was trying to get a VHS copy of the movie masterminds. You guys ever see that? It's a lofty goal. <laughs> it's got uh, Patrick Stewart and, um, Dude from Mad Men, Vincent Castle. Castle. God, I was hounding that poor guy. Do you know when Masterminds is coming back? <laughs> the memories we have. I thought it was the coolest looking movie of all time. I was like, he's a hacker and a skateboarder, and it's diehard in a private school. God damn. All right, we're getting close. How about we rate my letterbox? Can I piss first? Yeah, you can pee. While you're peeing, Kyle and I will um talk shit about we'll rank each other. Yeah. Why why didn't Did you do, why didn't you pick head. masterminds for big ass? What? There's subtlety oh. to masterminds. Gotcha. Well save it uh, save it for another one, I guess. The big plot point of that, like the big opening thing is that he's He's illegally downloading Scream 2. <laughs> and his dad is like, that's not even out in theaters yet. You could get in trouble. <laughs> and he's got to take his his sister, maybe his stepsister, to her private school, which he got expelled from because mm-hmm. he's so cool. And then Patrick Stewart. Yeah, maybe we will do this movie. So it sounds like they eventually got Masterminds for you to watch. Oh, I burned that fucking thing out. <laughs> uh, maybe you could save Masterminds for like small assed or su- small assed, subtle assed, mm-hmm. or bald assed. Sure, for Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. That would work. And it's got the um, the pigeon lady from Home Alone two. Oh, I think a... she's I think she's the she's the principal of the school. Dude, don't don't say another word about it. You, you've already given away too much. I'd like to go in as blind now that I know this bit of information. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm hitting my grid here. I uh You got your score? 
You know what you're ranking this bad boy? Yeah, I've got mine. I'm going to go for the letterboxed. Dustin, 2.5. Dan, 2. Dan, did you hear that? Dustin, 2.5. Dan, 2. Yeah, those are my guesses. Go ahead, Dan. I'm going with Kyle, 1.5. And I'm going with Bones, 2.5. Kyle, 1. Dan, 1.5. I will cop that you both got me correct. Gave this bad boy a 2.5. I will tell you, when Jaiman Hanzer got an axe to the head, I thought, this is a fucking three and a half right here. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, fuck, yes. I am in. And uh, sadly, it just steadily sort of chipped away. So, uh, You got mine right, Bones. I would give this a one. This is in monster dog territory for me. Wow. I thought I seriously considered moving up my score for monster dog when I watched this film. Wow. Dan, I need to know yours. I want Kyle to explain a little more. I had, I had more fun watching monster dog after I thought about it. Deep rising to me. It, it's all CGI. I wish it like if it was practical, this would be way higher. You could change almost nothing about it, but make it all practical. I would have liked it so much more. But then it's also I wrote down at the end of my notes, I feel like this movie is an hour and ten minutes too long, which would leave about forty minutes left. I will agree with that. It did feel longer than an hour and 46. I'm going with a 2.0. Wow. I mean, there's some good stuff there. The writing, the dialogue, the writing the is really bad. I think if they would have worked on that a little more, I think it would have been a lot better. I think they said, what the hell, like, 50 fucking times through this movie. I wish I would have got a count. Because it's like, what the hell is that? What the hell? What the hell is this? I was like, right, okay, we get it. It's it's a mystery. But, yeah, I'm going with two stars. Well, Kyle, you fucking crushed it. I got it. You sucked us right. both up by our buttholes. It's what I do. I... Not only... Halfway into this movie, did I think, oh, I'm going to give this bad boy a 3.5. I thought, these guys are loving this right now. <laughs> I thought, I was so optimistic. I was like, oh my, I, they're going to love this. I was like, I'm going to have the top of the list fucking locked. I'm going to have Black Dog, Deep Rising, and The Hunger it's going to start a whole thing. I'm going to have to purposely pick bad movies. And then when we got here to record, the just 
you both seem so defeated. I thought, oh fuck, I felt so bad. It's just, it was just I don't. There was nothing that really I don't know stood out. You know what I mean? Like nothing to really catch that was like oh that was fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah. the The best way I can put it is. It's like we it's like when we're riffing on something and I say something that just doesn't land. Like it fits it should fit in this thing and it's just bland and lame. Like it hit at this time. CG is is really big from like 95, you know, post Jurassic Park, everybody's trying to push that. So I don't really hold that against it because this was probably something that they thought, oh, now we can make this movie. We couldn't right. make it with practical effects before. And it's before it is too burned out. Like the mummy in a way is like him doing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, then we get, and then what it ends with fucking Avatar, right? Like that's sort of that crest. The heroes are bland. Like you said, the dialogue is shit if it's not for... Joey's improvs, you know, it's, and a lot of people are wasted. It's some of the, I still stand by that the, the casting for the Mercs is some of the best. Like I legit, I was like, these guys would beat the shit out of a guy. No problem. But it just, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't end. The monster's fucking lame. So. Well, when I say I want, practical effects i do not mean that they have to be good and expensive but no i think i think this movie just feels like cold in a way like it's cgi it's like writing that doesn't really care about the characters or what they're doing it's just kind of like all flat and kind of you know there's just there was like nothing to latch on to i would agree with dan in that respect like there was nothing to grab onto and be like well, at least this thing made me chuckle or this surprised me. I mean, the axe through the head is probably the one scene that kind of like verges on that where it's like, oh, that's almost kind of like a fun idea. It comes out of nowhere. And then, you know, that guy gets axed. They turn their guns on the other people. Like that was at least interesting and kind of like hooked me in. But that was really the one scene that maybe accomplished that. Yeah. It just doesn't fall so flat for me mm-hmm. to to really say that it, it it's not mid grade, mm-hmm. you know. If I'm if, and then you have a different argument. If you if you genuinely have more fun watching Monster Dog than you do watching this, I totally get that. Right. If we're if you're also then gonna say one of them is substantially more a film. And then one is just something that somebody threw together. I think that that I have to compare those two. And while I laughed more at Monster Dog, like oh my god, this is ridiculous, I also genuinely got some enjoyment out of Deep Rising. Well, Deep Rising is absolutely like a better film than Monster yeah. Dog, but you know, <laughs> Monster Dog had a scene where people got excited about a tray of sandwiches and. It's pretty hard to compete with that. I mean, 
No, Kyle, that was the greatest scene with a sandwich. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying, though. It's like early on in Monster Dog, we get the sandwich scene, and I was like, there's something about this that is fun. (laughs) Deep Rising is a better movie, but doesn't have fun. I don't think they landed the comedy. Yeah. I think if they would have landed a little more jokes and shit, I think it would have really worked. Do you think... Sometimes this is a gamble. Do you think you write this thing where nobody else fucking jokes? Like maybe they're sarcastic and then you just got Joey who's in his own fucking movie? Do you think that works at all? Because there are a lot of there are a lot of instances where they're almost trying to divvy up the humor between Finnegan and Famke Jansen, you know. I mean, she's got some already, right, like dropping the shoe, like that was. I I it might have been Finnegan. I don't. I don't know if it lands because like you said, whenever he goes down there, whenever Joey's getting his ass kicked, he's like very like fucking serious. Like, and then it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think if they would have made him a little more sarcastic, which he was, but I don't know. Maybe it just didn't land. So you, you're wondering if him being even more sarcastic would have worked would be good. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm thinking, I, when I saw the the little headline of somebody comparing it as like a bad aliens ripoff, and I was like, those are two different movies. And now the more we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, I think that's a the thing I think the most that you can relate it to, aliens and the thing. And I'm thinking aliens like Bill Paxton. I really got you know who's in his own fucking movie, who's ripping improv, and you know so. I really got tremors like whenever I watch this one. Yeah, yeah. well, and that's what I thought too. Is like, uh, tremors is the better version of this film. Yeah, I would agree with that. In fact, one of my notes is so. Tremors on a boat. Mm-hmm. Tremors has a big benefit, though, that a lot of the characters are so pathetic, for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Maybe, like, there's uh, some set. Maybe better setting. Better setting for sure, but there's a there's a humor to the couple that are fucking gun nuts, right? You know, this movie has to sort of establish that 10 of the characters are serious the whole time. But maybe that was an issue, too. Maybe there's too many characters in Deep Rising. Because this film has represented everybody. You got Asians, you got Australians, you got the English guys, you got everybody represented in here, which is a great thing. Well, I feel like this movie... This movie doesn't do much for Asian American women. Well, there's two killed off in the first <laughs> 10 minutes. What were you saying, Kyle? Well, I feel like this movie, like if you took, 
if you just made this like the mercs were already on the casino boat, like they had infiltrated it and taken it over, and then Finnegan has to like go there and stop it, like that would be a more like it would be less CGI crazy and it would be a more fun plot where you could jump back and forth between here are the good guys, here are the bad guys. Well, that's just diehard. Yeah, but I feel like that, like, I think they should have taken this movie in a smaller direction rather than try to make it this big, like, visual extravaganza. Yeah. I think he really got, like, you either needed to go the horror route or you needed to go the action route. Yeah, this movie, it rides... It never picks a thing. It's sometimes comedy, sometimes action, sometimes horror. It just it jumps back and forth too much for it to ever hit a groove. I think I'm in the camp that you can do that. It's just a gamble. Because if you let one thing fuck up, it ruins everything else. Like you you really have to to know how to juggle that tone. Mm-hmm. See, I thought my quick fix was instead of having the mercs on the boat that are going there, like you were saying that it's already infiltrated, mm-hmm. have have all of that happen without Finnegan. Have the mercs on the boat, they're taking it over, and then the monster thing happens, and then they throw out like a distress signal, mm-hmm. and Finnegan and his team are like salvagers. Right, And it's like, uh, oh shit, what is this? Like, we got to go check it out. So there's this conflict of, are they going to salvage the boat? Are they here to save people? And then people on the boat are either mercenaries or survivors. And you have this whole thing sort of uncovering, you know, to kind of give them a little bit more conflict on top of this. Also, the monster just sucks. Like it's, it's confusing. It's a cool, yeah. It's a cool thing in that it is strong and it can be behind stuff and move around. But once you actually see it, it's not very terrifying. Yeah. And like you, like you said, one of you said before, is it one thing or is it multiple? Yeah, that was my confusion. You know, is it? Yeah. It's not terrible. It's not. It's not the first movie I'll pick to watch, but it's also not the last movie that I'd pick to watch. Yeah. I don't know. This is definitely a mid of what we've watched so far. There are other ones that I was like, oh, fuck no, I'm not watching that. I'll watch Deep Rising. I want to ask Kyle what my rating was for Strangeland. For Strangeland... You had you and Bones both had a one point five. See, this one's making me think maybe Strangeland is a two star movie. Uh, what? I haven't officially said that yet, though. Let me bring think. it on up. Uh, let, let's go ahead and put it into the spreadsheet. Did we get any redo? Like, how is that going to work? <laughs> you did that like a car salesman. <laughs> Like let's just let's go ahead and let's run the numbers. Let's run the let's numbers. Let's go ahead and come on. Let's bump it up. See what it feels like. You know. 
Uh, I don't think there are any repercussions. You could literally change any score at any time. I'm just. I th- I don't think the list should be locked. I think you watching a movie should. The whole time I've watched Deep Rising, I'm like, I scored Strange Land too low. I don't know why. Wow. I don't know why. Wow. Well, let's. I mean, if you're there feeling is... that way. I'm shaking up some ratings here tonight, boys. There's. <laughs> Do, would you like how, me to lock you in how right would now? You even consider let's get through these. Let's close. get through Deep Rising, and we'll save this conversation for a fucking selection show. I don't really have much else. I did wonder if Kyle had. Uh, let's go for it. Hmm. You know, I thought about this as I was watching the film. I do think you could put him in as any character, and it would probably be better. I think I would go for, if I was going to go for something straightforward, Canton. Yeah. I could see him doing that role. And then my fun one was like, well, shit, let's just make him the monster. (laughs) Just have John Lithgow grabbing people and... Is he doing the motion capture? Is he doing the yeah. Andy Circus? He's in the mocap suit. Got the suit, balls but... on him and shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly what I want him doing. I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> but put his face in it somewhere too, you know, like it's mixed into the. Did it you... kind of like flows through the tentacle. Did you guys catch the hand? Whenever they did the, when he regurgitated that guy. Like, did you see, like, this hand was in there? Uh, yeah, you could see it when it goes down his hand. Like, you could see a human hand. And then he comes out as the... Which, those are practical effects. Like, all those are. I can't... There's a guy that worked on a whole bunch of movies that they brought in to do those. Like, all of the uh, skulls and shit on the floor. Well, that's yeah. all the stuff that looks... It still looks pretty good now, you know? The pile of skeletons, the axe in the head. like Yeah, that was all practical. Yeah. I mean, those, I, are, those are all the bits of this movie that kind of work. I think the Billy scene looks really good, too. When he's regurgitated. Yeah. It does. Yeah, I, it, th- I thought that looked it, pretty good. It's not great, but it looks pretty good. I would put that up against shit 10, 12 years later. So... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's making me wonder if stuff in the mummy holds up at all. Yeah. I feel like I just wondered that too. I feel like that was on, it's on HBO now, but I feel like it was on streaming somewhere like a year or two ago and I threw it on and I was like, I don't know about these, (laughs) like this early CGI, but that one was like that movie to me though, was still fun enough of a plot that it kind of. Like, I can overlook it more, you know? Yeah. The characters are more fun. The adventure is more fun. I threw on Stargate a few weeks ago. And I forgot how small that movie is. Like, because they're shooting it in this desert. Like, they have so few sets. But I thought a lot of the effects held up. There's a few of, like, the masks opening up that look kind of lame but 
I don't know. I have a soft spot for this mid late nineties. Man, I'm gonna have a tough time not defaulting to that era for some of these categories. Kyle, do you have the new list? Yeah, I've got it. So this is something we're going to have to figure out, though, because we do have another tie now, which to me, I think we should adjust up or down when we get to a tie. But I'll tell you the list now. Okay. Number one, Black Dog. Yes. 2.83. Tied for number two is Convoy and the Hunger with 2.67. Uh, third place would be Strangeland with two. Tied for fourth place, Deep Rising and Maximum Overdrive, 1.83. And then last place, Monster Dog with a one. I'm still winning. (laughs) There's one more thing to do in this episode. There sure is. Is you ready? Are you guys ready? I don't know. Ready when you are. Do you want to, are you ready to defend your title? <laughs> it's funny you use those words. <laughs> because, gentlemen, I'm going to bring you to 1989. And I'm going to take you on a journey by director Thomas J. Wright. And we're going to follow our main character named Rip. (laughs) And brother, we're going to watch No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. And you can find this on Amazon Prime. And... What are you arguing constitute this or constitutes this as big ass? These is the most big ass movie you can think of. These are two big ass dudes just going at it. Has this got Tiny Lester in it? Yes, it does. Well, that sounds like a tiny dude to me. Yeah. Oh, you will. You will see. Tom Lister Jr. thought you were going to make a Hulk Hogan sex tape reference with the big ass. I mean, we could watch that too if you guys really want to. Can you even find that anywhere? I thought that got wiped. Amazon Prime. Oh, no, I meant the sex tape. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sure it's out there. I got it on an air Amazon Prime. I got it on an air-gapped computer if you need it. <laughs> Do you get it on a CDR? Yeah. You could send me? Mm-hmm. Along with uh, the freshman. All right. So we're going with big muscles. We're going with. Do you have a tra- Do you have a trailer ready? Let me see if I can uh, share my screen here. Are you looking for a little escape? I just heard this. Want to see something? This is sick. Look like Andy Samberg. That's what I was gonna say. Are you ready for a whole hey. new Hulk Hogan? 
You think he's gonna ask that lady in the bra if she hates black people? No, but he's gonna go on about how bloated he feels. wrap this shit up that was deep rising not uh not great yeah yeah not bad i mean it uh we now know why it's been pretty forgotten yeah that's watch the phantom and substitute two Endeavor Wood, <laughs> Goldeneye, is it, Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, is his name really Treat? Treat. I don't He's know. a treat. Does he? Does he look like a guy who would have a nickname? <laughs> I don't think I would ever hire a guy named Treat. Sorry, buddy. Well, that's why you um, you hire people without reading their names now on their resume. It helps you avoid uh, his name those sort is of sticky Richard situations. Treat Williams. All right, for this week's episode of Five Day Rentals, that was Deep Rising. Thank you, Dan. You got it, buddy. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks, guys. Great. This is great. Sorry, it was. Sorry, it wasn't a better movie. I really did think 45 minutes in that I'd won this whole fucking thing. Locked it in. Seven movies in. We found it. And I'll, just never know I'll how it's going to go. the same thing in three weeks. So, yeah, we'll never know. So, tune in next week for Hulk Hogan. 1989's No Hold Bar. No Holds Barred. Slash sex no tape hold review. Barbs. Barred. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so bloated, brother. I just want to say that whatever listener can get us the correct count of how many times we say brother next week. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. If you made it this far. Later, buddy. See you guys next week. Later, y'all.